wide. I have sent my angels to do so. They will slay anything in their path. I, the Lord God, tell you that my people are protected. I and only I made the heavens and everything that is made. I will reveal to you at this time. First the hells must come. Thank <laughs> you. 
You will never ever have your utopia. I will see to it that hell comes to earth while I rescue my own. You will know then that I am the Lord God and I am stronger than any of you. surprise will occur to those who are not
Well, it just keeps going. And then you lose the uh, uh, the government subsidy. Then you lose the uh, shelter. Then you lose the home. Then someone else moves into your home. Probably takes up with your wife, too. Moves into your home, gets your wife, takes over where you left off. But do, do you... Okay, so let's have a little quiz. What is the cause of this problem? Is it simply persecution for being so dedicated and (laughs) completely devoted to Jesus and brethren and peace? Even to the point of not caring about your own life? Oh, no, I don't think that's it. That couldn't be it. Right? You've been saving your life all over the planet. Well, then there's one other conclusion. And these, you know, there's a lot of people that think they're going to see some recompense well, there is recompense. I, like, you know, we're getting recompense and the judgment's falling on the good and the bad alike in this economic situation. Now, it's being done on purpose. There's also a military-style invasion or a military invasion going on at the border which will then eventually turn violent and if you survive, well, you probably won't survive that, but if you could... If you don't live in cities, uh, then there's the rural sweep-up operations. So nothing has stopped this. And again, you know, the culprit, as always, is you know, dumb people, obviously, who fall for it, who believe. Their government believe all kinds of things. But the judgment is in the really simple way to look at it. Like a little kid. You are asked to do certain things, to be certain things, you know, if if you believe in God, if you believe in Jesus Christ. You're, you're given some guidelines that you can't live up to. So, but because you're a sinner, you have grace through the shed blood of Jesus that, you know, makes a way for you to go to the Godhead to restore the breach that occurred so many eons ago. Now, if you don't repair the breach... It, you know, the way it works on earth is this. It's either the law of God, really, or the law of sin. Now, the law of sin goes a little bit beyond Satan. I mean, it's not like the law of Satan. It's a, a law of sin within each person that when you give sin, I hope by now we all know when we're sinning, a seat at the table, it tends to take over. And eventually, 
people start justifying it and they start pointing at people that might have a problem with sin as sinners that need to be separate from society uh, while the uh, people being lifted up are, you know, people that want to glorify sin. The, the only real sin that gets glorified that causes all of the, what you're seeing now, and, I mean, we could be very specific. We could, we could draw it down to the numbers. We could actually get to the numbers of how much we're going to lose. And also remember, the, the bad guys have made more money in the last year or so than ever before in history, right? And it's off the backs of the poor, right? Social program, you know, programs, uh, COVID programs, vaccine programs, um, you know, and, and on and on. Humans being converted to commodity. Now, the the question I have is, I'm not going to preach at anybody really because there's really no point. I've I've tried to explain this philosophically. I've tried to explain it mathematically. I've tried to explain it through logic. And um, if that doesn't, if that fails, then I, I guess I'm I'm done. I quit. So, yeah, there's there's no point if if we don't have basic common sense and logic anymore, then there's no point for anyone to talk about anything anymore. We need to all shut up. We really do. If that's where we are. Um, I would say that the debt has increased. If you go from like the Super Bowl to today, to where we are just right now, what is that, about a month? Not even, right? Three weeks. Going on a month. Coming up on the spring equinox, which uh, usually signifies, you know, you have the Ides of March, which is like Friday the 13th, which is a superstition. And then you have um, uh, the, the, the spring equinox, the 21st of March. So March has got a couple of things going on it. But one thing we do know is, the, well, the Ides, you know, people are afraid of that. But again, I'm not sure that's anything other than a superstition. So, you know, so what do we do? Um you know, given that if we go into the, uh, to, the, to the equinox like this, we will double down and triple down on the things that have been happening that are making people so pissed. Now, the people are pissed. They are fucking pissed. Ridiculously pissed. They're compl- I've taken the temperature on um, X... Facebook, Rumble, other places, and they are pissed. I'm telling you, they are just so angry and they really want to fight somebody. And the propagandizers are trying to say, Trump, Trump and and, and MAGA people, there's your fight. And... Uh, I'm not sure they're for, uh, white men, white Christian males. 
you know, so I'm not sure that that message is getting through. They just want to fight. Doesn't matter who. Security. Police. Opposition somewhere. You know, so they want to make it about LGBTQ, about race, about what, you know, economic warfare, but you don't see them marching into Beverly Hills and ransacking, you know, raising the mansions. Do you? Do you? Of course not. Therefore, the manipulators are very much in control. Because if the manipulators weren't in control, the people suffering under poverty right now, which is all imposed, they'd figure out it's coming from the government, right? The government's imposing a 21% inflation so that nobody can afford to feed themselves or their families or buy a Christmas gift or have someone over for a barbecue or go on a, uh, go on a cruise or anything. It's, you know, there's still haves out there, less and less, who are going on those things, but eventually it's going to dry it all up which is the stated plan of the WEF and others to dry it up and kill the poor people for, usually for target practice. It's like killing the mentally ill. It's for, really for fun. Since killing is fun, it's for fun. I mean, they have fun. I'm not saying you have fun killing anyone, but they, they enjoy it. It's kind of like their favorite game is the most dangerous game, right? They like hunting humans in the wilderness, Whenever you see a movie, like like I'm sure this Civil War movie that's coming out, it's going to be a lot of hunting these MAGA people down in the wilderness. Remember when they, I forget who tried it, I think it was uh, Blum, you know, Blumhouse, the PC correct horror filmmaker who has trying to make Jordan Peele into Stanley Kubrick. Uh, yeah, right, baby. Uh, don't, you don't fool me. All your phony shit. Don't even try. Uh, but anyway, if you're up on that in that area of, of civilization, of uh, film, you realize that they they get and and and, uh, and Blum is basically, uh, you know, a part of Universal, right? So the whole point is to make these movies where these sophisticated woke people highly educated and, of course, superior to all other people. And, you know, and obviously with a, uh, the ability to prop themselves up above all people and dictate to the little people what they should do and how they should have a mask, just like little Sean Penn out in, in Malibu. And this little, you know, this, this little guy under the... Uh, uh, you know, been there, coddled there his entire life. Uh, you know, you know, speaks to the world from Malibu, saying, "If you don't get a jab, you need to be put in prison." And if you don't believe that uh, Hugo Chavez was the rightful <coughs> dictator elected uh, president of Venezuela, then you need to be taken to prison, even if you're a foreigner. And he says a lot of other, you know, witty things. It's amazing. It's truly amazing 
that, um, you, you know, the, the, the problem being that the people that are highly educated have been highly deluded, and the people that have done their own education are highly superior to the ones that have been formally educated. Now, I, I can't help that. That's a handicap. The people that have educated themselves are far more in, in, in uh, you know, they will never, ever, ever, n- not one day ever in the entire future ever uh, be caught up to by the, uh, the dumbasses who are highly educated who think they're smart because of their education. They will never catch up to the actual educated or informed populace. They will never, ever, ever catch up they will remain like, you know, the Sean Penns of the world, stupid, ignorant, dumb on every level, just a blight who should shut the F up. Along with the rest of Hollywood. And the reason I say that is because they don't contribute to the truth, they contribute to lies. That is, wokeism, and whatever it is. What is it? Uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, which of course is the is you know, and that entire philosophy, it's basically the ultimate white man's burden guilt trip, is uh, absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing. Anyway, the people being dictated to uh, will remain in the superior position forever forever and so will their children forever and you know before you go out celebrating that fact just understand the two sides cannot communicate there can be no peace there will be no truce and tonight or today You know, NATO is giving all the permissions it can to Ukraine and sending all kinds of long-range missiles there to Kiev. I don't care whether they call it Kiev or not, I call it Kiev. Where they want to try to uh, launch Putin into a global um, thermonuclear war that will kill most of the population on Earth. To which Sean Penn says a nuclear war is survivable and winnable. Never, like I said, they will never ever catch up to truth and education, truth and logic, truth and common sense, truth and basic anything, because they have rejected truth, which is God. Once you reject truth, that's it. Oh no, the new age, the new age... All the New Age stuff comes from, like, Madame Blavatsky, Gurdjieff, the New Agers, spiritualists of the 1800s, the Pythagorean secret societies, comes from Lucifer. So you can forget that Gaia shit. It's all bullshit. It goes nowhere. They, they, 
They don't understand the line. There is a line. And that line is between man and God. And it cannot be uh, man as God. It can never be that. Or Atman equals Brahman. Or, you know, Oppenheimer's little theory. It can't be that. Or Einstein or any of that. It can't be that. Atman equals Brahman from the Upanishads, from the Mahabharata. It can't be that. I saw somebody was doing some kind of a play on the Mahabharata, which is, um, you know, a long epic Hindu, well, labeled Hindu, but from the Vedas. Uh, really a piece of fiction in a sense with spiritual truths that come out of it, one of which is Atman equals Brahman. In other words, man equals Brahman being God and Atman equals man, right? So Atman, man, is equal to Brahman, God. So that might be useful in splitting the atom or even even with the, the uh, hypercollider. That might be helpful in identifying the smallest particles of the universe. (laughs) I don't have a patience. I need patience, Lord. I mean, imagine spending that much money as they did in the Collider, all for it to be useless. And all these Christians are so knowledgeable, telling us that, right, there is the Christian influencers or leaders who are also uneducated, meaning they've adopted certain ideas that they want to teach the body spirit. They want to make their contribution to Jesus and inform you that the collider is really the portal to hell prophesied in the Bible. And it really should be called Apollyon, the destroyer. Or, if you like, Shiva, the great destroyer. (laughs) Unfortunately for them, all of it is shrouded in mythology and storytelling, a little more than comic book telling, and basically irrelevant to what happens because they can't repeat any of these things. I'm going to try to stand up. Trish, I need her to stand up. I've got to find a... a, Well, the difficulty is I have... uh, Well, I guess I'm... Shoot, can I stand up? 
Ah. Well, we'll see when she comes back. Then, yeah, I need to be spotted, you know, because the one thing we have to prevent is a fall, and um, which, by, by the way, I've done. Trish, I need to stand up. Sorry. I'm sorry, you guys. Uh, I was getting on a roll there. It felt kind of like the old days for a minute. <laughs> for those who say, uh, ow, ow. Yeah, buddy. Uh, it's, uh, that thing is maybe a pillow on that you seat. I'm sitting on my, my wa- I have a walker, but I'm still not, I'm not, uh, I'm not up to speed enough to um, really walk around with it. You know, I can take short. Ah, uh, you, you, you really are pretty well. Okay, let's seat. try that. Okay. Hold on, let me get this pillow. Okay. We're going to try. Big one. Can you hold that there? Yeah. Ah, okay. Better? Yeah, that's a little better, although this thing wobbles around. The brakes... We, we messed up the brakes, so we, we ordered another one, but it's not here yet. Hey, you, bro- you drove your car yesterday, dude. I drove the car. You drove the car. After months. He said, he, he said I just feel like getting up and walking. So we ditched the wheelchair. Walked with the walker out to the car. Yeah. Pulled myself into the driver's seat. That was a pretty good method you had. That's the method I'd have to use on my new Ferrari. Yeah. Which I can't fit in. <laughs> I don't um, have a Ferrari. Uh, but if I had a Ferrari, I'd, I'd say the way to get in there, you'd have to use your arm muscles to, to pull yourself into it. Benson was, was freaked out. Uh, he went and hid in the studio yeah. while uh, we were loading Zeph up into the uh, car. I do have one challenge, and that's, and I've got to get there to find out um, if I've blown my batteries or not when I got sick, because I, I don't remember if I had shut off the uh, transfer switch. And if I blew it, it's like several thousand dollars worth of damage. Oh, no. And if I didn't, Mazel tov, then fantastic. Yeah. I get to, you know. But but as far as the bus is concerned, I can't. Uh, I can't really walk around it in a, some of these parking places. You will be able to though, because it's lumpy and bumpy. You'll be able to, Ben. No, no, you don't understand. You need some kind of help. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I'm thinking about you know selling it. No. But here's the thing. What I was so fortunate with it because when I got it, and I finally you know had my last motorhome traded that for this, and added some some money to it and drove it away, and then it needed restoration. Well, I've got it through Prevo. I got it through uh, their plant. Their center in Houston, got through, uh, did other repairs. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I actually finished restoring it. So I finished the whole thing. And, and um, the, the thing is, is that there's steps like any bus, like a Greyhound bus, there are steps to get up into the bus. And that looks very daunting. 
The good news is I can, because it's all air ride, so I could put the bus right on the ground, 45 feet of it. The difference between something like a bus, which, which is made for commercial use, but some people convert them into like, you know, little homes or, you know, camping things, you know, like a motorhome. Anyway, the difference is in weight. You have a, a bus like this weighing 60,000 pounds. Uh, a motorhome decked out with all the, all the junk put on it, which is a lot of it is junk, um, is like around, maybe around 35,000, 30,000, 35,000. So basically half. Okay, so that's a very big difference, and that's why it rides so well, because you get so much, like, through wind and everything, you don't have any problem, because it just sails through all that. You know, storms, wind, whatever. And uh, it's older, you know, it needs help, it's it's mechanical. And um, I saw another guy, he was driving to the Super Bowl in his, to the poor guy. And a uh, famous guy, and he was driving to the Super Bowl, and he uh, had the same dash, that same ugly Burledwood dash, same same thing. It's not ugly. Well, anyway, so maybe this is a opportunity to kind of pare down. I'm looking at my studio; it's so filled with stuff. It's like, yeah, it's time to just streamline, you know. And maybe that would be a, a de-stress. I don't know. At, in the beginning, I thought I wouldn't walk again. I never thought that. You know, from from the early hospitalization. And then when they started getting me up on my on a walker, I had fallen. And uh, so I thought, well, this will be this will take forever. You know what I mean? I'll be able to do a little bit with a walker, but basically it's going to be a wheelchair. No. Listen to that. No way, dude. Not everything I think you want to veto. I, not everything. Relegated to a wheelchair, I say. Okay. A firm no. So then people told me in the rehab, the rehab is like just picture a place exactly like the hospital, hospital bed. You're still hooked up to IVs. You're still hooked up to a heart monitor, blood oxygen, all that stuff. And uh, you still have a nurse assigned to you each day and uh, nursing staff that, that, you know, one does technical, one does, you know, so they monitor you every day. And then what they do, though, is they get you out of your bed and they get you, you know, walking around in a gym type of environment to try to get you at least to the point where you can they can send you home and you won't be just a burden of just being a, a vegetable you know, lying there in the bed and not moving. So I worked hard at it, but I didn't get anywhere. And then after I got home, though, I have noticed, and it's been a month, you know, or a month and a half. Uh, well, it's been since January uh, 15th. So I've been home since January 15th, and I've noticed, and by the way, it was very hard to be away from home. And I did some podcasts, as you remember, from inside. But it's not the same as, like, right now. 
you know, and, and the, I'm sure I was not able to really, you know, inspire people in our business. We did, we did make a couple of business decisions, though, with uh, Crazed House that uh, we were going to um, uh, restore Angel's Tide, which is a, I think, it, I don't know why it got tabled. I don't know why it wound up being a, a show print in the garage for 20 years. I don't know why it's 30 years old. The copyright on it, when you watch it, it's, it's like 1995, man. 1995. Okay. So time really flies. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. But, you know, I, I had... Uh, come to the revelation that, you know, we needed, you know, this was the perfect timing to, uh, to do some film restoration. I've got two, and I think Larry's got two. We've got about four or five films that we can, that there, there is actually a market because what's happening, if you notice on your Netflix, or you notice on your Amazon Prime or Apple movie or any of those, Google, YouTube, whatever, uh, you'll notice that they're playing movies from 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Yeah. They're playing a lot of old movies in the mix now. And that's a new thing. And so they are hungry for these um, movies because content is content. Movies are forever. So they get rediscovered again in a new generation. And, you know, think about all the good movies there are that have come and gone, and they can bring it back. And, you know, the, the audience has never even heard of the first one or the first release. And they're delighted, not just like Lawrence of Arabia, but anything. And uh, they had one they brought back the other day, Race with the Devil, which was an indie film made by Peter Fonda, where they stumble across a human sacrifice in the woods, uh, you know, Satan worshipers. And then they, they go to report it to the, to, the, to the sheriff in the town, and the sheriff's in on it. And then they have a big shootout the rest of the movie. Uh, absolutely delightful stuff. Uh, loved every second of that movie. You know, worth its weight in gold. And um, it doesn't really matter to me what people say, the, the morals of Dennis Hopper or what's his name, you know, Peter Fonda or whatever people are in Hollywood. It's, it's known to be uh, basically a place of debauchery and all that, and that's fine. But there are also people like us there you know and not as loud and so you know you can't just write it all off you know what I mean it's a cultural form and I don't think God wants us to be separate from the arts I really think he needs representation in the arts you know to, to see that it's not this stodgy kind of theocratic uh, you, you know uh, judgmental, you know, you know finger-pointing kind of thing going on. It's a whole lot different, as you know, from the Zeff Report. It's just, you know, the big battle we're having. I'm coming back around to the message here, but anyway, so we, before I go there, let me finish this. So we got it restored, and here's the thing. Two years ago, we could not have restored it. Because you're talking about going from a 35 millimeter print, which is gorgeous, which is beautiful. It's lovely to have that. 
but not as sharp as 4K or 8K, you know. And you're talking about bumping that up to 8K, okay, and then bringing it back down to 4K as part of the restoration. And you're talking about using all AI to dial in your color, to get rid of scratches, to, to, to make that print like it's brand new, like it's... You've seen some of them, like of the old footage of rock concerts and stuff, where there's no more grainy footage. It's like you're just watching it on TV. Well, so we were able to do that kind of restoration with a team of people that, that go frame by frame by frame by frame by frame. And they're, you know, and anything that can't be caught by AI, they're doing by hand, you know, getting out scratches. And I took a look at the print the other day I had to approve it for Berlin because we screened it for some people in Berlin, Berlin, where there was a film festival and a film market there. And um, it went very, very well. And one guy actually said, uh, came up to one of our uh, producers, Loris, and said, uh, you know, I, the, you've, you're to be congratulated on recreating the 90s. It's flawless. That, you know, the car, because we had outside shots of cars, it's, it's a pretty powerful, I, I can guarantee you one thing, if it's not a horror film. You know, it's it's a it's a it's my first directorial debut film, and it's a uh, it's got a lot of little hidden gems in the script as well, especially in the dialogue. That is uh, use of double entendre because you're playing with death. You know, it's about death, and um, it it's uh, interesting how different people react differently to death and it uh and it stars patricia after she got out of uh where did you go the american academy and she graduated there and then and then i mean and then i eventually we eventually met but she was uh definitely leading lady material so we you know wrote this up for for people like that i had you know not under my control but that i could Definitely have um, a lot of uh, rehearsal time, a lot of practice, a lot of lot of everything. So the other thing it has is it has my daughter, deceased now, but my daughter as a four-year-old little girl playing the angel of death. Like this is what you see. Kind of like the psychopomp concept, only in, in a little bit different. And um, so it's very interesting from that point of view. And then it had some, you know, some Emmy-winning award actors in it. And one gal was married to, uh, she was a TV star. She was in, uh, she was married to the Kiss guy, Paul Stanley. Yeah. Yeah, she was back in that day. Good, good actress. Yeah, and... uh, Larry Linville, who was uh, who was a big mucky muck in Mash, he's passed. Larry Gelman, another you know uh, seasoned guy that you'd see a lot in different shows and stuff. So it was it was it was a nice mix of uh, people, and um, everybody got excited to work on this. I think because 
we got to go back to the source film, 35 millimeter film. And that got them all like, oh, wow. And then as they started doing their magic, which, I mean, I couldn't, some of the frames looked like a Rembrandt painting, seriously. It looked like, you know, the kind of lighting, that chiaroscuro lighting, it really had that. And, uh, or however you pronounce it. Um, I'm not a cultural, uh, you know, nut job here. I'm just, you know. Yeah, that's correct. Chiaroscuro. Chiaroscuro. just It's a use of light and shadow that particularly uh, creates an atmosphere. And so I was really pleased with that. And then I was able to get uh, a composer to do a new score, our composer that I've used already. And he was already there. And uh, he needed a little bit of coaching. But as soon as I got him dialed in right, you know, he just, like, produced the score. It was unbelievable. And then... uh, with dialogue and, and sound effects, didn't have to do much. Much we found the sep- the tapes, the M and E. We found uh, the uh, dialogue track, and we found the M and E, which is music and effects. So those that means that those things are not mixed. It's like going back to one, so we can remix them. Say all separate, dialogue separate, music separate, sound effects are separate. So we get to go in again with today's tools. You know, with Pro Tools, Avid, that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm really, you know, it's one of those, I think the reason it has, uh, it will be seen is because they're having kind of a revival of society and other things from my past. And um, it is part of that human interest story, I guess it's me, that was in the documentary as to, well, what happened back then? And then, well, here's a film that came out of that period for Woody Keith, now Zeph Daniel. And so people may be, you know, may be able to be tied in with that, but there's, uh, it's no longer about what the story is or anything like that. It's really, you know, it's a gripping story, but it's, it's, it's really, um, where did that film come from? It was buried, lost. Uh, People said it was no good. Get out of here with that. Go home. Go away. And so being naive as I was at the time, I I went away all right. And, And everything went down the tubes with the gang stalking and everything else in L.A., leading to a final crescendo of leaving. And so the film got lost. Can I blame the gang stalking for the film getting lost? Oh, you bet I can. But I mean, it's, I didn't have the skill until I really met the Lord to, to be able to, to stand up against that. Against like the entire city coming down on your head, you flying somewhere to some, place 4,000 miles away and having them say they've been waiting for you? I mean, you know, is that enough? I mean, Rosemary's Baby was one thing, but I mean, does it have to be every single time you turn around? Now, thank God they've moved on now to uh, social engineering as our main focus. But I mean, this was a, you know, 
it still is a big problem for some people, but I mean, it was a uh, much bigger problem back in the 90s. And the 90s was really bad. Really bad. And, and uh, that was also the time that uh, Randy Quaid was being harassed and they were, they were, you know, stealing his money and Heath Ledger's money and a few other, Michael Jackson's money. Remember, Michael Jackson wound up dead. And, well, I'm just saying that was all the same, same phenomenon of gang stalking. Those guys were all, and Randy survived to tell about it and he got no support whatsoever. People just laughed at him like a clown. So here's a guy trying to come for, I mean, no, I mean, we can deal with the injustice of gang stalking, the injustice of the U.S. government, the injustice of all of this. You know, there's plenty about that. See, that's what's good news about films. In films, you can deal with stuff like that. I mean, I know they don't want to hear it. The people in power say everything's fine. What do you, you know, you're nuts. You need to see a shrink or some stupid thing like that, which they don't know anything about anyway. They pledged their souls to Satan when they were teeny. I can tell you when. It was before they hit puberty. Those are the ones that run it. And believe me, the whole thing, when people say it's all stalking, it's all, you know, it's like it's, uh, it's, it's not spiritual. And I'm like, dude, it's all spiritual. It's all spiritual warfare. All of it. Well, anyway, so this is kind of like the old days here. So the whole idea of the documentary about society having come to write that script, which is in demand right now because, because the film itself is getting a reboot with a novelization that we finished, Brian Usna and I, the um, the two of us, have finished this novel, and it's uh, it's basically. I'll just go by this. The shunting has more detail. It will live on in infamy. For for the it'll last longer than all the other cultural icons out there. It, there's nothing like it in terms of detail. Nothing like it at all. Anyway. So that novelization, I don't know when it's going to come. I got to find out when, but basically, it's it's ready to go. It needs to be, you know, the proofed. And I don't know what the publisher is going to do. I think the publisher is going to come out with a special edition, and then with that popularity continuing, people say, "Why is society so damn popular to last over thirty years, thirty-five years?" And then so they did the documentary about me and how I came to write society. And then that documentary could also produce interest in this restoration. It's just part of the story. And, you know, I, I don't know about, you know, having, you know what I mean? It's sort of like because of that, it has a chance of, you know, being seen. Um, Europe loves me. So do I. No, but, you know, really, seriously. And America hates me. And I just don't understand why that is, but that's always been like that. So 
That's what I heard yesterday or two days ago. I was told that Europe loves me and that's why we produce films over there because, you know, here they, they, they basically wanted, you know, they, they, they want us thrown in jail. But in, in Europe, they, they do give me a chance. And it's like when society was released, not, not that it's all me, because it's Brian's directing and his guiding the story and his bringing in Screaming Man George and all the stuff that happened to make that movie happen is on, is on Brian Usna. He's, he gets the credit. But as far as the flavor of the story goes, it bombed in the U.S. It didn't bomb here, but it was banned in the U.S. and lauded in Europe. And, and applauded greatly in London. So, you know, that's just the way it's been, you know, in my life. It's, uh, it's just all been, I'm living in a place that's not really compatible with me and people don't understand me at all. In fact, they don't understand me to the point where they tried to do a, you know, an MRI on my brain when I was in the hospital. And they kidnapped me in the middle of the night and they drugged me and they tied me to this fucking machine. And when I woke up, I, I was tied and I, and I hear it going, and making these noises. And I punched, I kept started punching at it. And you know, they're pretty solid, but they're, you can still punch at it. And uh, your hands were all bloody when I came the next day. Yeah. They hadn't even cleaned your hands. Of course not. Weird. But why would they want to do that? It's because the way I was acting in the hospital that they felt there was something wrong with my brain. So, you know, I didn't even go there for that. I went there because I had an infection. I didn't go there for brain surgery. But oh, but, 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 but don't, don't worry, they're going to open up all the doors. As long as they got insurance there, they're going to run you into MRIs for this, for that, for you got blood clots in your toenails, whatever. They're going to they're going to run it up the flagpole, baby. I made sure to tell everyone, all the doctors, all the nurses, everyone. I said he has a genius IQ. They, I told I told everyone. Well, I used to when I was uh, eighteen or nineteen in my twenties. Uh, you're smarter. But now. it's probably gone down the tubes a little bit. They probably have dumbed me down some. Nah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't. I'm not sitting around, you know, reading deep books and having deep conversations with intellectuals. That's for sure. Sure, you are. You and I. With talk, you. You and I talk all the time. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, the uh, so. You can look to having, you know, the documentary and probably the Angels Tide, the, the, the assessment was, number one, it looks like a European film, the way it looks, sounds, feels, blah, blah, blah. Two, uh, they love it in Europe. And it, it, I don't know what they're going to do here. Here it's very crass. It's like, you, you know, they don't get... And you, you know, you may think you're a, a nuanced artist. They don't get any. And the word nuance doesn't apply in America at all, unless they say it does. And what they mean by that is, 
you know, little sleight of hand LBGTQ references or left-wing politics references. You know what I mean, but make it look like it's invisible. They'll call that nuanced. I, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it can't really get arrested here. And um, I think our team of Crazed House, you know, everybody... We're working hard on the next feature, which is to be shot in Cyprus, which is far away from here. Um, I think they're all... Uh, I think they're all... I think they all understand that. I think we've... It was true 35 years ago. It's true today. So, you know, that's why we have more and more European... You know, I mean, would I move over there? Well, sure, I wouldn't mind living in somewhere like, you know, where, where, where's a good place? Up the coast around uh, Nazare, where the big waves are up in Portugal, or Barcelona in Spain, or somewhere like Athens, Greece, or uh, Tuscany, Italy. Sure, they're all great places, you know, and, but I've always called home you know, the plains of New Mexico, you know, just a lot of land and a lot of dust, a lot of desert, a lot of critters. Uh, a lot of maintenance. You know, I mean, if it was based on how I've been treated here, I should have left a long time ago. When I left for New Mexico, I should have left for France or something. I shouldn't have stayed here. Nah, the Lord told us to come here. Up and really? east. He told us to come here. Up and east. Well, maybe this new restoration film. But I really want you guys to see it. And um, and hopefully it will uh, get a distributor here. I already have an offer for distribution. Um, for North America. Yeah, but it was just a verbal offer. And then also... Uh, interest in Europe by a guy who knows the story and knows the film and actually was around when I was filming it so um, he remembers it and he's he's keen on it so maybe maybe that way uh, what he'll do is he'll put it on all the platforms and you'll be able to get it from demand on demand or you know streaming or whatever um and I think the way that it will be marketed will be if we go with the documentary, then we would go with this as an offshoot of that type of thing. Which I think is a very, very... I mean, I'd be interested if I saw the documentary and I knew there was this film that was done way back in 1995. And it was just a lost film due to the fact that, you know, Woody at the time to become Zeff, not... Didn't really become Zeph until 2001. Was it 2000 or 2001? I don't remember the dates. But there was a period there from 1995, 96, 97, 98, 99, 2000, uh, just being a lost, completely lost person. And you were pretty lost too. Well, we found Jesus. Right, 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 right. That was the whole point. But I mean, yeah, it's amazing looking back on those days that we survived, you know, to be here today or to even get to the year 2000.
it's hard to believe we made it that far. And uh, I don't know. I see. Ooh, I could just. Roll over his tail. Ah! So, now where were we on this uh, prophetic talk? I th- lost it. Uh, Lord, please help me. It was basically... Uh, help me, Lord. To hell with Gaia. Oh, the New Age. So the New Age was just cooked up by not just Blavatsky, but, but you know, and you know the story. Theosophical Society. Uh, another big influence was... Uh, Manley P. Hall of the Philosophical Research Society of Los Angeles. A lot of these places wound up in L.A. So that, that was what was so weird, you know, because you had the Vedanta Society, which was another one, which was basically Hinduism ended up pushing all the New Age concepts because they wanted to attract the hippies, right? Oh, I wish you were there. I wish you guys were there with me. We could have figured it out together. And... Um, Gosh, I just didn't see it, folks. I went through a lot of life just blind as a bat. Anyway, and when I say it, I mean real bare knuckle abuse. <laughs> real bare knuckle abuse legally, physically, emotionally. Setting you up to fail. Enjoying the pain. Wait, I want to see the look on Woody's face as we fire him. Ah! As we slander him. Ah! As we throw a lawsuit in front of him. Ah! <laughs> and remember, this happened long before Alex Jones, so I didn't have Alex to prepare me <laughs> for what? You know, what happened to him, same thing, only much bigger scale. Do I feel good about it? No, I don't feel good about it. Misery, in my case, does not love company. I want the misery to stop. I just didn't think they could do all this illegal shit and get away with it. You know what I mean? Everything, everywhere, every DA, every lawyer, every single person sold out to it. You know, conservative, Republican, uh, I mean, uh, Democrat, liberal, communists, everybody sold out to the system. Everybody is, is down with Satan. Everybody on any side of the aisle, all the people at church, everyone in the Catholic Church, everyone in the Protestant Church, everybody working for charity. You know what? I was actually surprised by the amount of people I met during the whole, you know, long hospital stay. How many good people I met. Like when I go outside to have a cigarette. Yeah. All, well, the, peop- all the people that wanted to bum a cigarette for me, all they were all cool. <laughs> they all knew. That's funny. Not to trust the... Um, the system. They all. The minute it. I was in there, it's like, oh, you've got AFib, you've got this, you got. We need to do an MRI to see if you have blood clots in your leg. I mean, it was everything but the infection. 
And then finally they said, well, the infection is you have a collapsed lung. All right. Well, that's pretty bad, isn't it? Everywhere I went. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm grateful that I'm out of the collapsed lung business, but I mean, man, oh man. You're going to be restored completely. And then my, you know, this is, doesn't feel right. My head. It's all going to be healed. You think so? Yep. Absolutely. Folks, am I going to be healed? Yes. Or am Larry, I going to be... Larry, Larry said it in the chat. Well, if Larry said it, then I'll take it to the bank. Amen. He's a good brother. But anyway, so what do you think? You think I'm going to be all right? Yeah. You know, it is on my head. You know, every once in a while, I, I wonder if I'm going to wake up the next morning, you know? And... Um, that is a, a, you know, I don't, I mean, I know you shouldn't just, you know, get to be 70 and then just live with reckless abandon, but, you know, I still have a drink. You know, if I didn't, I would have gone crazy. I still, uh, what else do I do? I have to take naps. Not as many today. T- today I should be passed out right now, and here I'm going, I'm talking to you guys. That's right, dude. So that, I consider today it would be a little bit of a red letter day. I don't know when I'll be able to walk again where I can walk without the walker. Soon. You know, where I can actually balance on my feet and because I either go to the left, to the right, or backwards. That's the way I'm going to fall if I'm going to fall. And, uh, but in the beginning, there is no walking at all. So it looks like, I mean... God willing, Lord, I'll be on my feet again. Amen. In Jesus' name. I'll be walking and we'll put the, we had to take the doors off the hinges to fit the wheelchair through. We can put those doors back on there, right? Yep. (laughs) And man, you should see the bill I ran up over there. I didn't have to pay because I had Medicare, but... You know, Medicare, what is it called? Um, Medicare Advantage through Aetna. And we got that policy just on a whim, just like we were at an RV park in Louisiana, remember? Mm-hmm. And um, we talked to the Aetna people. I don't, I don't know what the deal, we had to call somebody to do something. We had, there were changes that could be made. You had to make them before a certain date with Medicare. I had A and B and she had A and B. And because I didn't um, earn A and B because I had sporadic income in my life. So I, um, but Trish had enough income in her life to warrant A and B. So I got A and B. Yeah. And that was. We were driving down the road. You were driving. I was on the phone going, I could get my husband some some insurance here. That was very smart, Trish. So. I mean, it's smart in a certain way, you know, maybe dumb in another way, but smart in the sense of having some catastrophic situation like I had, which is the same as a heart attack, you know, a lung collapse, MRSA infection, you know, I mean, these are major, you know, 
life-altering, you know, death, death-bringing things. And, uh, but they started in like, we got to do an MRI of, the, of, of your calf because there could be a blood clot in there. So they started getting all into a million other things. And eventually, they said the infection's in your lung. And they did a bunch of MRIs on that. And then uh, offered me the ability to go in with surgery to remove the infection. through First through uh, chest tubes, which drain it. And then going in specifically, cutting their way in to... to remove the fluid that's they can't get to with a chest tube. So it was like four chest tubes plus surgery. It was a lot of stuff. And um, I agreed to it. And, you know, and they were all too happy to accommodate me. And they did. And I think it, I'm not completely recovered from it yet, but I, I feel like I think that was kind of a game changer. Yeah, because you had a really bad infection throughout your whole body. But they focused on the lungs. Yeah, and that's what needed to be focused on. And the people that get that infection were munching on some fish here. People that get that infection, um, MRSA like that, they it oftentimes gets to the lungs, creating a pneumonia, or in my case, in, in many cases... A collapse lung. So anyway, we got through that, and you know, got through the, the, the. There's still pain there from the incision, but it's, it you know, I'm getting a handle on it, and um, I just don't ever want to go through anything like this again, if possible, because it's it's almost like you're so numb that you're dead. And time is going by, and you're not feeling anything. You know, you're, you know you have a wife, you know you have a dog, you know you have another life somewhere, but you're not really missing it. You're just floating in this kind of near-death experience. And it's, it's, a, it's a terrible thing. I met another woman, elderly woman. Now I say elderly for people that are just two or three years older than me. <laughs> and... But elderly woman, and she felt they'd done everything they could do. She went in with a collapsed lung. They took care of it, and uh, now she's at home, and she's getting hospice at home. So she's getting nurses. Like we had a nurse and a PT person come to the house here to make sure I'm getting, you know, make sure we're doing okay. So she was getting hospice, and she felt she got her money's worth. But she was also, you know, saying this is probably it for me. She was also resigning to the idea that she'd be dead. Which one was that? It was somebody that was a friend on Twitter that I, I don't know who she is. Mm. She seems like she's in her 80s, though. Mm. There was one and, woman there who was like over 100. Yeah, there was one. And she it, was very... Uh, in the PT group I was Recovering in... Recovering really nicely. There was one that was 98. Yeah. An old uh, Indian woman. Yeah. From, uh, where was she from? Navajo. She was Navajo. Yeah. And she was, uh, had two husbands. I think she wore, they were all both younger. Yeah. And she said she wore them both out. 
and she had a lot of spunk, a lot of yeah, a lot of energy. And one of the guys in the group who was probably in his seventies, he goes, "Well, you still look good." He starts flirting with her. So that was, you know, that was kind of it. And then I'm sitting there at seventy, and I know they're all envying me. They're looking at me like, oh, "You spoiled brat! You're only 70. <laughs> We're all like in our eighties and nineties. So there's that too. There's envy. You know, uh, they expect you if you're younger to be able to perform better. But I could use my legs for the. The PT people were really good at pushing you to do something that you didn't think you could do. Part of it was anemia. Yeah. Anyway, I appreciated your prayers. I know we got through it. I didn't mean to turn this into a talk about the hospital, but it is on my mind since I'm getting ready to write the second half of, uh, I've got 12 chapters written of Angels versus Witches, which will probably be called something like, you know, it's, it's really about the apocalypse of the world. I just want to make sure, it's a cheat to know that, but I'm going to give you a little Cliff Notes cheat real quick up, up front here. It's really about the apocalypse. It's really about the end of the world. Okay, so there you've, you've been clued in now. What to look out for if you happen to be a follower of the, um, uh, of the novel. I, I suggest anyone follow it. What I'm doing is I'm writing it um, separate in Word and then proofing a little bit with Trish then putting it up. It's still subject to change without notice, though. That's still not, it's, in my opinion, not publication ready. Not until you have a professional editing and proofing going on. Yeah, it's all kind of jumbled now that you put it back. It's not in order. Yeah, and I felt that maybe I got my ass kicked in the hospital and all that because of what I was writing. You know what I mean? Maybe I wasn't praying enough prayers of protection for myself because I was revealing all kinds of stuff about life and about, you know, it seems like if you talk about something like sodomy, boy, oh boy, and you're not really a sodomite yourself, okay? So right there is going to attract a bunch of negativity. Even though you're talking about it in kind of a negative, like just, it's sex, you know. It's a, you're not going on and on about it and... and Point the finger and say, you people are, you know, that's against God. You're going to hell and all that. Even if you're not doing any of that stuff, you're just mentioning it as, oh, by the way, they they wanted to do, uh, you know, they knew the only way to turn the basketball team into a winning team was to sodomize all the uh, players. Okay, so that was kind of half funny, right? It's kind of a joke. I mean, it's not that funny, but it's... Not funny at all. But, it's fucking scary. What the scary thing about it is that no one ever said it before, except me. And they dare not say it. And so here I am still all out there by myself on the dance floor saying things like that, like, do you really think that's possible, that they would sodomize everyone on the team to get a few extra points? The coach would sodomize the, his favorite players to get more performance out of them. He could give a damn about his own personal pleasure, although he liked the power. He wanted to make them better. 
through sodomy. Now, to me, that's kind of laughable. It's kind of glib. It's kind of stupid. It's kind of it's kind of funny. But I don't think they take it like that. It ain't funny. It's not funny. No. Oh. And yet, it did happen. That's exactly what happened. Well, on a happier note, several times in the last couple of days, Zeph had said, I just feel like getting up and walking. And I think he's very close to that. Right now, we have to use a little walker and put the belt on him so I can, I can be holding So on. she can grab me by the belt if I start to fall because once I start going too far, it's over. Yeah. So if she could get me before I get And to, it was so funny uh, the other day when... Uh, plus I, I pulled Trish we, right down the We ground. were all yelling, Caminar, Caminar. <laughs> Caminar, peligroso. See. Si. Well, anyway. Okay, so the topic at hand was, here they are doing Klaus Schwab's bidding and, and all the globalists are getting lots of people killed and they're starting to starve you know various people and there is some fight back which they did not anticipate let's let's put that in the plus side of things before I get too negative and then um, but but they seem to take a lot of pleasure in hurting the little people and and I, I noticed one guy, um, on X on X, I have Trump people, Trump haters. I got all kinds of, you know, different opinions going. And um, he goes, "That'll serve those MAGA people right." The, uh, you know, what what's happening to Trump in court and everything. And it was such a dumbass, couldn't he see that that's going to happen to everybody, including him? You, you know, the, the idea of going lawless uh, to get one guy is not a good idea. But you see, it's not, it's bigger than him. This is looking a lot more like judgment of God. And a lot of times, judgment of God, say, is triggered by bad behavior. Well, yes, it's already outlined prophetically. If you do this, this will happen. If you live this way, this will happen. Here are the guidelines. And that's really what the Bible is good at. Giving us the guidelines to live and, and a place to go with our, with our spirituality, with our need to connect to the source. I mean, all these New Agers, they look like they just so want to connect. They wear weird clothing and weird pendants, right? They wear these strange amulets around their necks and weird jewelry and... And they're trying so desperately to connect. And then, then you say, well, I know the source is me. It's within me somewhere, but I'm internally blocked. Perhaps it's trauma. And then it's like, oh, yes, let's give the scientific uh, community some more technocratic uh, powers. That's what they really need. And the bottom line is, you know, there's that line, folks. 
You know it and I know it. And we just got to be so thankful, Lord, that you reveal this to us. That we, we, all we can do is pray at the line and hope you fill us with your Holy Spirit. Please, Lord, fill us now. Please, Lord, fill us now. Please fill us. We need that connection, Lord. We need that connection more than water. We need that connection more than success. We need that connection more than anything, Lord. And that's the connection the New Agers are looking for. But they believe that they need to do it internally of themselves. That Atman, they believed the Upanishads that said through, you know, the various agreeable scientists, you know, and the various guilds, including the Golden Dawn, do what thy wilt, meaning Atman equals Brahman. It's the same thing, the same formula. Do what thou wilt. Well, the only way you do what thou wilt is if you're a god. And man is not a god, at least not yet. So, for man to succeed, man must be under the grace and power and leading and thought process of the living God that is also within us and external. But the mystery is the line. The line is Jesus. What father would say it's okay? Uh, it's it's okay to forget my son that you slew. Uh, we're we're all good here. The breach is healed. You can just forget about Jesus or anybody else, right? Put it into that vernacular of being a metaphor of a father and son. Your son gets slain by people. Now they want to have peace with you, but they don't want to ever mention the name of your son again. Well, how would you feel about that? How would you feel about that? And the thing is, it's so weird, is Jesus is a badass. You know, you heard it said before, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Now it's, you know, turn the other cheek, but in that... Same breath, he is saying, I expect you to cast out demons. I expect you to change the course of history. I expect you to raise the dead, as Peter did with Tabitha. I expect you to feed and clothe the poor. I expect you to change the world. And I'm constantly giving you direction. I send you out two by two. If they don't take your word, they're cut off forever. Let the dead bury the dead. No eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. No, because the battle we face is spiritual. We can't win it by spilling blood. Right? Because we've got to win ourselves. We can't heal the breach of the line without including the line in our spiritual walk. So if you exclude the line, you exclude God, and then you go, well, it must be in me somewhere because God's in everything, says Madame Blavatsky. God's in everything? 
even when you have a seance, you know what a seance is? It's where you project like a Ouija board. You project your own shit onto that Ouija board. It starts telling you stuff. But it's really you. It's really you and your corruption. It's you and your wishful thinking. Needing to see that loved one again. So you project the loved one into life mentally. The mind is very powerful. Way more powerful than we give it credit for. Uh, you can project ghosts into life. Go oh, look, a ghost. But it's you. It's always you. You know, let's face it. It's always you. It's your desire to be with that loved one again. I didn't do that with Francesca. I refrained from that. Because I knew it was wrong. I knew it would... Because I knew whatever reading I got back, whatever image, whatever connection, anything, a word, anything, a phrase, I knew it would be my imagination. I knew it would not be from her. So it's kind of cool. In Angel's time, there she preserved is. preserved as a little girl. She's preserved forever. And, I mean, she is flawless. The, the images and, and girl, and what is the name of the Angel's, <laughs> Angel's Tide. Tide. The images in Angel's Tide are uh, just outstanding. And then you, if, if for no other reason, you, you could project it onto, a, onto an IMAX screen, it would look beautiful. It, it really needs that. And this was just a first humble effort by me. And I was convinced I was a lousy director, lousy at everything, that I should just bury myself in drugs and... How wrong you were. Punish myself for being not acceptable. Not acceptable, like Taylor Swift. <laughs> not acceptable. Not. That wish will be, she'll be flushed. I got to stand up. This chair is, it's a, oh, okay. Benson. Uh Benson, no matter where Zeph sits, he gets right in front of him and, you know, basically as close as he can to covering his feet. He covers my feet. I don't know why he does that. He did that when he was a little baby. Well, he was... I had to tell him every day that you were going to come home. Anyway, so that line... Uh, yeah, the line out there cannot be crossed, you know, and and if there was a way to cross it, I would have found it, folks. Although I didn't like the people at the Theosophical, the Theosoph, the Theosophical Society, I didn't... Theosophical. Theosophical. Theo, Theo I, used Shittiful. Go, I used to go down I, there. I hate them. I, I didn't like them either. But uh, I used to I used oh. to uh, check out magazines from there in oh, Manly yeah. Halls. Crap. But no, they were located on uh, on another street it's funny how down from Griffith Park. Before I knew you, we were kind of gravitating in the same uh, weird. Well, Manly P. Hall is full of shit. And so is Lois Jolion West. Yeah. And so is, you know, Timothy Leary was. 
and, and so are the Beatles, and so is Bob Dylan, and so is the whole fucking thing. The whole, all of it was all skirting around and playing footsie with the devil and acting like you weren't doing that. Yep. Uh, Kate uh, Dolly had a really good show on that the other day. She was doing the fourth hour of Alex Jones' show. Yeah. Well, I remember the Beatles when they were when they were manufactured for the Ed Sullivan show. And they appeared there, and then I actually, they, they called them, your new group, your new, they, they said, you, you, you know, they did the same propaganda they do with the uh, white, white people today. They said, the English invasion is on, and the Beatles have replaced the Beach Boys. It was a contest, yeah. but in 1965, 64, 65, between the Beatles that just came out, and the Beach Boys, and the Beach Boys lost. Yeah, the, Does anyone remember that? Was any of you, any of you oldies out there? Well, the Beach Boys lost, and they were saying like over all the airwaves, "This is your new group. This is your new thing." And then behind the Beatles, the next thing you know, they were doing psychedelic. Then they got their their buddies, the Rolling Stones. And I'm not saying they weren't good musicians or didn't wind up doing significant work. All I'm saying, I don't go that far. I think they're good musicians. I, I'm just saying that to, to say that this is uh, entertainment would be a gross lie. It's indoctrination. Yes, yeah, all Roll up for the Magical Mystery Tour. What do you think that is? Okay, how about The Who? Can I can I buy your magic bus? That's the bus is, you know, it's Satan's bus. It's we all know what all this is. Um, uh, that was very interesting. The the history of Microsoft and uh, uh, Microsoft was completely manufactured by yeah, IBM, and it was manufactured by experts in the computer field, and it was experts at Apple. But uh, Bill Gates did not design anything. No, he was like... He was picked on. and He had roots in L.A., Albuquerque, of all places. And now the Wikipedia says that he went to school the whole time in uh, Seattle area, private school. Yeah, that's a really I have a interesting hard time. historical thing. They were both born... Here's FedEx. Oh. Anyway, folks... Uh, this is not the kind of podcast I want to do, but I guess it's a little bit informal. Gives you idea of, you know, we're human beings. And yes, I could be close to God and have a bunch of people around me that are that are in Las Vegas who are just, you know, basking in sin. In fact, that's where I'd like to go to talk about Jesus. I'd like to go to Vegas. You know, but but without this, it's it's not. You better be good. We can't be good. Can't do it. It's not even happening now. I'm not being good. Did you order some dog food? No. What is this? Who knows? Uh, I don't know. Oh, that looks like a. It may be the walker. We had to get a new walker because my brakes went bad. I'm going to take it into the bike store. I didn't 
and get it fixed. Hey, how are you? I have an oxygen thing in my nose. Yeah, my blood ox has been low, substandard, so I have to use oxygen to bring it up above 90%. And I'm sorry. He really liked the, uh, the new work we did outside, and I it, told him the floor was yeah, on inside yeah. too. Okay. Anyway, okay. look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have to restore this 2020 thing. Uh, maybe it'll be with some different people. I, I'm not sure exactly how we'll do it, but we've got to do something. Um, I've had a lot of... Uh, All right, Vince. Ex, you know, the costs of my own treatment have been exorbitant, and so I haven't been able to really donate to... Um, uh, other ministries or anything like that because I've been just you know completely juggling around bills here trying to get paid all these just seems like well I think we're beyond the, the bulk of it now but uh, okay well perhaps I should leave now while we're ahead <laughs> but I wanted to talk to you about how the people out there it, in other words Take a look through through X and Facebook and look at all the videos in TikTok. Okay, TikTok is a big one. Look at all the videos of people screaming and wanting to hurt somebody. Of the anger. And I want to talk about the anger. The temperature is way, way up right now. Higher than ever before. But I don't think the people even know what's causing it. They just want to get somebody and they want you to tell them who to go get. They don't really care who it is. Uh, they don't want to hurt their, their, their friends in the Democrat Party, I'm sure that. They don't want to hurt their friends in the woke community. They don't want to hurt their friends in the LGBTQ. It must be the MAGA people. So that's, what, that's what's going on right now. But they're so angry that they're... They have no possibility of directing that anger properly. They're just almost to the point of being you know, demon-possessed, almost to the point of being legion. So I think that's where this is going. Let's watch it, and I'll be back. I know it's been about seven days since the last one. It just has been taking me with the anemia. Um, well, I got diagnosed with anemia, so it's been... Very difficult to 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 uh, get on with the day, you know. With, um, well, very difficult to get out of bed, and, and very difficult to. Um, yeah, you know, I'm still in recovery, and yeah. The funny thing is, when it all happened, and I'm willing to take it as a judgment of God, just telling me to really be a lot more circumspect, to be a lot more a lot more um, conscious about that connection. And that's why we're talking about the line. We want, we want that connection with the Almighty. We want that absorption. We want that non-editing of our own behavior every five minutes. We want to be free. We want freedom. 
I'm going to leave it on that note. In Jesus' name, amen. And I'll see you next time. Uh, I'm going to keep broadcasting, even if I screw this one up. No, or, this was excellent. Or all of them up. I'll still be back, even if, if, if it gets down to, like, you know, where people are just disgusted with me. And uh, I'll see you next time. God bless.